Okay. And now to help uh, set the mood for Ant-Man for us. Hey everybody, welcome back to X's for Show, your weekly reaction to all things media and TV. This is of course our TV streaming episode. This is a Sunday. You can check us out at X's for Show on all of your social medias. And I'm Nico. You can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and more at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Getting quantum. And I'm TK. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at xnatexgrayx. And that makes me Kevo. And you can find me at Kevo Rayley, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. And I am ready for some ants. 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 It's I've like my never favorite loved, thing ever. I've never loved Michael Douglas more than I do as Hank Pym and how much that man loves ants and what it has brought to us and to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So when this show before, so again, this show was two shows, Access for Podcast and HTML. And uh, HTML used to do a thing called the State of the MCU, where we talked a little bit about what was going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how it was transforming, what was on the schedule, what was canceled from the schedule, what was moved from the schedule. And uh, this was something we regularly did from time to time. And uh, I was looking at the I was looking at the the library and the schedule, and uh, I saw that for whatever reason we had never covered Ant Man in a in a way that Michael Douglas would go about so uh as we're looking at the schedule and we're realizing hey quantum mania ant-man and the wasp who's not really in the movie uh quantum mania is or maybe the wasp is janet van dyne who knows uh is on disney plus and there's going to be a bunch of disney plus content and while between the wga's you know very fair writer strike and the sort of state of things going on with the MCU slowing its role, it's very possible that these might be some of the uh, few shows we get in the foreseeable future. But in addition to Ant-Man Quantumania, we're going to be talking about Secret Invasion, Loki Season 2, and none other than Echo and kind of sort of a little bit Daredevil Born Again. Now... This has been quite a journey for uh, everybody. I know, you know, really, I know what you guys think, but let's go up the line, starting at the bottom. TK, we just finished off phase four, which it's hard to believe an entire phase has gone by since the blip. Uh, and now here we are at phase five, facing down the fifth phase of film future featuring. And I just want to know, how's your fan fave from... from fan favorite work fan yes. favorite um you know it's funny to me it like sometimes i'm like wow it, it's come so quickly but then i think about where i was when i saw the final avengers movie and like what the state of my life was and the fact that most of phase four was covid uh it's it actually has been a minute it has been some years in which uh to me, one of the most 
diverse phases with the most experimentation, the advent of digital streaming in the mix, uh, a variety of films that were distributed a number of different ways, uh, all the way from, you know, Scarlet, uh, sorry, um, Black Widow in this kind of like hybrid release to something like uh, Werewolf by Night being entirely digital. And then, of course, you know, theater films all along the way. So I am somebody who can really recognize the difficulties with how this phase functioned in the broader MCU picture. But when I think about all the variety that I got out of this phase. Um, there's a lot that I'm really pleased with, even if each individual movie isn't like an A plus in my book. And, you know, Ant-Man and Quantumania, I feel like in a lot of ways, picks up that legacy quite well. You know, I really love that. Now, I actually, I'm going to wind up putting everybody on the spot for some opinions. So guys, I'm going to ask you just thumbs up or down. Just general overall, 51% or 49 across the board in a minute. So start readying those answers. Kebo, you'll have a moment while I talk a little bit about my relationship with four into five. But Kebo, you know, I've been lucky enough to sit next to you, most handsome man, uh, as we go to see these projects, uh, sometimes from the comfort of our own bed. So neat. Um, best. Right, man. Where's that OnlyFans? Just like nerds sitting around in underwear or watching marvel movies in bed Ugh. i think that's on us i think All that's right. on us well xxx is for show is getting ready uh but so kevo talk to me about four into five um you know i i i as always really harmonized with a lot of what tk said uh especially and it was really formulating in my head as he was saying what he was saying. And then he said the word diversity. And that really is what it is uh, in terms of uh, quantity of product that I feel, even if every single part of it isn't A+, it feels consistent. Uh, there's consistent tone. There is uh, really at least matching flavor to to most of it whether uh it's something that is more lighthearted and comedic like she hulk or something that leaned more into horror like werewolf by night or moon night uh a lot of night you know so obviously it was going to be darker but uh i think it's when i look at this slide of the phase four as a whole that i really enjoyed phase four it's more when I look at just the films that I'm like, okay, you know, a lot of these weren't super bangers. And at this point, you do kind of hope that they are. Uh, they can't all be, realistically, is a huge part of that as well. Uh, and like I said, it's all still at least a consistent flavor. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it uh, for, uh, for all that it's worth. And it just, it's, it's, it hugely fulfills the promise of what we could have hoped for when we were kids. And it was Fox Saturday morning cartoons coupled with Disney afternoon. And, you know, 
I'm 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 just really happy with all of it. I'm nervous about all of the shift change and what all of that portends, but I know we're going to get into the, that more uh, some some later. So I'll wait to worry on that. I'm so sorry that I've been out of focus while listening to your excellent reactions and really understanding. I agree. You're fine. There's so much about the nature of the evolution of this project that I think really resonates with everything you guys are saying. Um, you know, when the Marvel Cinematic Universe started, for me, you know, Kevo, it was the tent poles, the movies, the things that kind of let you down this phase. And then Marvel Netflix came around, and that was amazing. But honestly, S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't do it for me. You know, that just wasn't my bag. So yeah. I had a reverse reaction to early Marvel Cinematic. Now, my favorite thing from the Marvel Universe probably ever is Werewolf by Night. WandaVision, right? So stuff's changed a little bit. Now, Kevo, if you do me a favor and go to that massive slide with everything. This guy? Yeah, let's do this. All right, guys, talk to me. WandaVision, thumbs up or down? I'm going thumbs up. Way up, way, way up. Yeah, for sure. All right, that gets a three for three. How about Falcon and Winter Soldier? How did you guys feel about Falcon and Winter Soldier? Yeah, I'm gonna go with TK on the on the on on the more mid. I trend up on the mid, but uh, yeah, no, for sure. I I very much agree. Now, how about Loki? I'm I'm way up. I'm way I'm... way up on Loki. And I'm up, but I'm not way, way up. I'm not quite as leaning mid as TK. I'm just regular up, but I'm not like WandaVision up. So that's two up, one mid? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So I think we're getting a B. All right. Now, how about Black Widow? I was like a tepid thumbs up. There were medium parts for me, but it was mostly an up. Yeah, I think that we're pretty positive overall on Black Widow. It's not the best thing I've ever seen, but I think it's a better version of Winter Soldier, perhaps. Yeah, I think if it had come out uh, amongst the movies of its oeuvre, uh, yeah. as it, um, uh, it would have been really fantastic. I think if it had just had a smooth either digital release or theater release, it would have been great. Um the the problems are all so contextual and situational, but the movie yes. itself is solid. And exactly. I think if it hadn't been that we had heard about it coming for a thousand yes. years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, sorry. No, 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 go. All right. Then what about what if? What if for me, ultimately, not like a thumbs down exactly, but is the closest to a thumbs down I'm going to give. I think at the moment... I, I think I do have to ultimately say I love Party Thor, but I just don't know that it, it it just felt like too much of a distraction in an already unfocused phase. I have to give this one my first red light. Yeah. Uh, I really yeah. Agree. I mean, it's it's a cool idea, and I could see it having more relevance in the future, but. Uh, who knows? I mean, yeah, it's it's not the best, honestly. Now, I think it only uh, it, it's and it's mostly for me that like it's fun and it can be 
canon insofar as like you know it's really out there but it's more to me please don't ever try to make it important it just needs to be a fun and wild ride and i would be concerned of that yeah but if it can just stay like wacky yeah sure it's fine now what about shang chi i i honestly i wish i could give something two thumbs up i loved shang chi go for it six uh, thumbs up I I have a, a gentleman in my life who uh, loves how much I loved Loki so much that he got me a Time Variance Authority jacket and like, uh, you know, it, superheroes aren't his thing, but he he tries really hard as somebody who does not care. And uh, I was so hype about Shang Chi, he came with me to the movies and uh, had a good time. That's what a good movie it is. It's accessible. Uh, so it's accessible. So. Um, Speaking of inaccessible, <laughs> I have to give Eternals uh, a mid. Um, Eternals is a yellow for me. I like so much of what they tried. The performances were great, but at uh, 317 minutes long, the yeah. movie still had huge gaps in it. And I, I got to give it a yellow. It's got it in the middle. Yep. Trending um, up for me even, but yeah. Yeah, definitely for me also trending up. It just there there really were some big gaps, some big misses. Uh the fact that they made Cersei into the character that she is when she is such a strongly written compelling character in the comics, so there's something to pull from. Uh and that they just ignored that entirely was one of the things that to me I was just like I don't know if they were ready to make this movie. And, you know, uh, a huge part of it for me now is especially how much I personally have covered Eternals, the comics, for X's for Podcast, our comics branch of this show, uh, where we evolved from, uh, still covering comics now. But uh, I did a huge amount of coverage for X's for Podcast on Eternals and got to know the characters very well. And, uh yeah, it's of all of the adjustments that I'm aware of that they have made of the MCU. Uh, it's it's a very strange, very strange take on everyone, especially the leading character. And I ultimately am happy with what it 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 led to, um, but it was not my my favorite experience. Uh, but definitely not one that I wouldn't say to go do. Now, okay, we have a really cool super fan who I just want to say super fan, uh, Ali, Ali Galactic, uh, we love you. We love when you hang out in our podcasts. And uh, I was surprised at how hard Ali came at um, Far From Home, but I understand how many people found the film to be a little frustrating. I personally thought it was as 2.5 as like, if you know, if I'm doing a scale of, you know, every thumbs up is three points every this is two points and every thumbs down is one point it's as close to a 2.5 as i want to be able to give um for all of the positives there were still a good number of clunks um but i really see how this movie was super divisive for so much of fandom um despite its record-breaking intakes so what did you guys think thumbs up mediums thumbs down what you guys feeling about spider-man far from home Yeah, it's a two. It's a mid. It's um, I. The problem is I don't know how much I care, and 
this movie didn't necessarily do anything to get me there. I think also a huge amount a uh, huge amount of how much I'm going to care about this movie depends on what comes next for Tom Holland's Peter Parker and Spider-Man in general. Even if they end up killing off Tom Holland's Peter Parker and they bring in a live action Miles or something like that. All right, this this you can still make this have meant something to me, but pun intended, if that branch of the franchise is just sort of going to peter out that makes this not a super fulfilling third film to a trilogy but then i think spider-man has always sort of ah i'm struggling for the word uh not been like hurt but sort of by the fact that it's really been a reactionary film series uh, Homecoming was a reaction to Civil War. Uh, Far From Home was a reaction to Endgame. And um, No Way Home is a reaction to just everything else that uh, has been going on, just not in only the MCU, but Spider-Man in general for the past 20 years. And that's a lot. So uh, thumbs up, Mid, what you saying? Uh, thumbs up contingent on anything else that is going to happen with this character in the future. Generally, right, thumbs up, but we'll see. All right. Hawkeye. Um, as much as I loved Hawkeye, I got to give it a, a, a mid. It just, it, it just didn't have the fluid I was looking for. So I'm a yellow. I see TK's a green. Kevin, where do you sit on this guy? Uh, I want to be more green than yellow. But I am not the biggest Elder Hawkeye fan. He's fine. And this made me like him a little bit more. Not a ton more. Uh, but I love Kate Bishop in it. So that definitely helped it a lot. I loved Yelena in it. And that definitely helped it a lot too. And I'm excited for the hints that it gives uh, for the Daredevil branch of things. So what are you going with? Yellow or green? Still yellow. Okay. How about Moon Knight for everybody? Oh, wow. So you're trending red almost. Yeah. Um, I'm a yellow as well. So it's definitely trending down. I It was well done conceptually, but just nothing about it was exciting nothing about it worked i don't see how it's relevant to the mcu in any way and now that we're starting phase five and i still don't really or we're into phase five and i still don't really have any idea what that was now i completely I, get you and i really appreciate you saying that you don't see where it has connectivity to the rest of the mcu it came out uh just before Love and Thunder, and around the same time as Multiverse of Madness, so I had been hoping like, yeah. there's gods in Moon Knight. Maybe we will see some connection between Moon Knight and one of these films, and there wasn't like, in any way. Yeah. And again, it's not that it seems like it is disconnected entirely uh, the way that S.H.I.E.L.D. felt at times, but it's not as connected as it can be either, and I really want that. So, so, like, yellow, but trending down yellow. So that's 
How, how many? I, I don't know. Is that? Is, are, do I have any reds? What's going? Is there like a, a red between? You, you didn't go. You didn't I, go. Oh, I said it's a yellow. That was the first thing I said. Okay, so yeah. we're like TK's trying to drag it up, but we're kind of pulling it down. So is it like? Did a, I get that wrong? Is it? So is it like two yellows and a red? Is that what this average is? It's like an orange. It's a solid orange. All right, so I'm gonna throw it one. Mo. All right, Doctor Strange. I'm gonna give it a yellow because I liked enough, but. That is the most yellow there is. There are some parts that are so bad, but there are some parts that are so great, and it just averages to to a mid. How about you, Kevy? Uh, which one? Doctor Strange. Oh, uh, that is specifically down for me, and I it's it's specifically down because I wish it wasn't. I wanted it to at least be yellow, and nothing on this list is like, I'm never watching this again. Really, truly. But I was really disappointed. The best thing I can say about it is that it's short. Well, from short movie to longer form series, Ms. Marvel Season 1. I'm going to give this a thumbs up. Uh, There was stuff that was a little slow, but I had a good time. Big thumbs up. Yeah, maybe just would have had it be a little bit shorter. Uh, you know, a lot of streaming television, I'm finding that from lately where I think they're stretching out unnecessarily. Uh, but overall, uh, it's still a really fun, enjoyable story and the characters are great. I'm so excited to see more from everyone in the cast. Thor 4, more Thor love and thunder. Very divisive. Was a a, a funny uh, for most people, but I'm a thumbs up for it. All right, we got a green, we got a yellow. Kevo, what you feeling? Yeah, I guess mid trending up at best. All right. Now, everybody, here was one that definitely shook the internet a bit. How about She Hulk season one? Big thumbs up for me. Yeah. Absolutely thumbs up. I know we talked about this show quite a bit on the show on the series before TK joined. TK, did you have a favorite moment from She-Hulk? Favorite moment from She-Hulk. Um, I mean the Matt stuff was really fantastic, of course. Uh that ending uh with her talking to the machine <laughs> was, you know uniquely fourth wall breaking for the She-Hulk TV show in a way that really said, hey, we get that we adapted a fourth wall breaking comic and we wanted to give you a version of that that we could only do on screen and honor what this character is. Yeah. All right. Now to one where I'm I'm, I'm barely going to ask, but just double checking Werewolf by Night, Three Greens. I wish I had a third thumb. Yeah, I'm actually I'm giving it five thumbs up if you know what I'm trying to say, right? I can't um, give it extra thumbs for the same reason as Spider-Man. I want to know if there's going to be more from any of these characters because I loved all of them and I'm I'm I'd be really excited for more in this vein or from them. But yeah, this this is a watch every holiday. Now, before we get to uh, the next holiday special, because technically Wakanda Forever is our Thanksgiving movie. Um, I really loved Wakanda Forever. It was a really beautiful film that should have been five episodes of a TV show. I I don't know that I can ever sit through that movie in a single serving ever again. 
really beautiful film and I'm so moved by so much of it, but it was a drain on my emotional capacity. And um, I got to give it a yellow for that reason. I was surprised by how smoothly we did watch it in one sitting, but I think it was because we were in a bingey mood and it felt like watching a mini series. Uh, it suffers from something that I'm feeling a lot of movies, especially MCU movies are doing lately where they like have to kick it into turbo at the very end. And there's this huge escalation when you think the movie is over and, uh, that really dragged out this film, uh, and I think, yeah, making it a miniseries might have helped. I don't know. But uh, beautiful, 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 wonderful, enjoyable film. That just felt like a miniseries. I really agree. You know, it's so funny because I agree too. And I feel like there are people who would say that's insulting. And it really gets into like one of the bigger problems that Disney is having, which is that they are making so much great content that is boundary breaking and format breaking and medium breaking uh in ways that like we no longer need to cling to the idea that movies are prestige and streaming series are tv and therefore are not prestige uh but we're so stuck in that modality that even though you could have better served all of the actors and all of the story by making it a longer serial experience uh I understand that there are a lot of people who say that that would not be doing Wakanda forever justice because they don't get the same prestige as the other MCU properties. And it's just such a complex thing. uh, And it's really unfortunate because I know that from a great storytelling standpoint, what we agree is true. It's just these labels and these ideas that we have that are really kind of gumming up the works for everybody in, in media lately. So is that a, a so I definitely am a mid. How about you, Kevo? Um, mid, and it would trend upward if uh, it had like better designated rest breaks for if you want to leave the movie and come back. Because I know I feel like that's something a lot of people are doing with longer movies now too. If we could have a like, not like you know there needs to be a title card, just like suggested. This is around where is a good place to pause. I would I would probably be more into it. How about you, TK? It's a thumbs up for me. I really did love it. I see the problems that we're talking about, but pure thumbs up for me. Oh, but I mean, I love that. But, you know, it, it does have it. You know, people give Deserves it flowers. It. It's, uh, yeah. you know, amazing uh, magical flowers that give people uh, Black Panther powers. So... Lastly, we have the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I really did like this. Um, I think the problem is I ultimately feel like it cannot exist and the scenes in Thor and Love and Thunder and Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It Mm. just, they all wind up treading too much of the same target material. Yes, without saying anything new. Yeah, I'm. I also love the Kevin Bacon stuff, but I think it might be a little sillier than I'm eager to rewatch. So I have to, as much as I love this and was really positive in our Guardians coverage, which check it out, it was a great episode. Um, I, I think I have to give this one a, a medium for me. This boy's a, this is a yellow boy. Yeah. Yep. Yellow trending it's... up for me. Yep. All right, guys. Well, I was secretly, and by secretly, I mean really obviously, sitting here typing along. Um, 
keeping track of all of this. Oh, you okay. nut. Uh, I am sending it into our personal chat. Uh, no, that looks terrible. Uh, I'm going to send it right on into Discord for our, uh, our Discord server. Uh, but uh, we will keep that for posterity's sake. And uh, we can always uh, put together some kind of graphic for it. And, you know, have a real good time. Maybe I'll put something together to flash up over this. And if it is, you're welcome. I hope it looks great. Good job, Kevo. Kevo, it looks amazing. <laughs> what a talent. Great, great job, future Kevo. You did it. Once in a generation like, talent. 90% chance if I didn't do it, it's because I couldn't for some reason. I was on fire. I hope I was not on fire. Okay, so we have our, uh, our our four into five. And, uh, you know, what's really funny is I wrote the timeline for this episode. And I, I knowing us and knowing me, I left us 15 minutes to talk about what uh, ultimately took us uh, an attractive 30. But that's uh, a little closer to... Oh, no, I gave us 20. Terrific. So let's just catch up. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, no, we have this beautiful what's coming. Okay. okay. Oh, and this Ant was Man just, you know, while you were talking. Ant-Man and the Wasp can wait a minute. No big deal. Where are they going? So uh, February 17th of 2023, we had Quantumania. And then um, May 5th of 20... Oh, I'm going to say, babe, that that's probably 2023, not no, 2008. No, I know. I never updated. This is from this episode. And, like, I was going to go back and update a graphic if I didn't need it. And then this I, happened. And then we were like, oh, my God, these exist. Um, I love the Marvel Oh, poster. and that's because it's on this. Yeah, it's on the same date as, yeah. It's from, yeah. Uh, I love cute. the Marvel's poster. It's super great. It's our wedding date. Nice date. Yeah. A um, couple of other things coming down the pipeline. Uh, there's been some rumors about some changes. Uh, the writer of Shang-Chi took over for Thunderbolts uh, and uh, added a fan favorite actor in Steve Ewan to the uh, cast. I don't believe we know who he's playing yet, but that is very exciting. A lot of rumors that Blade is being pushed back and that Dane Whitman is being removed. Big rumor that Captain America is getting a new title. Uh, Deadpool is getting all of that crazy rumor news about uh, Hugh Jackman being like, all right, right, I can't get back into shape. Just got to go wrestle me some crocodiles. Um, That's my Hugh Jackman impression. And I love it. I can't imagine that that Fantastic Four movie is ever coming out because I don't think they're ever casting it. And that's fine. Uh, rumors that Secret Wars is getting a new writer that Jev Loveness is off following some changes around Quantumania, uh, some TV show stuff. We've got Secret Invasion and Loki, as well as confirmed Echo for this season. We've got What If coming at some point, Ironheart coming at some point, though we got a great taste of Ironheart back in Black Panther. Agatha Coven of Chaos is going to be, it's going to be a mess. I hope it's a good mess, but it'll be a good mess. It'll be a fun mess. Patty Lapone is in it. It's going to be literally my goddess, but I do hope there is a musical number every episode. I just hope it's a fun, silly, magical mess. I do too. Yeah. Um, you know, the only Elizabeth thing I wanna... Olsen sing. 
I'm sure she can get through a number for a comedy, like silly magic show. I Alice also imagine if she's in that, she will be in it for a sum total of 15 minutes. Yeah, true. I also just want to say that there's a lot of discussion going on about the nature of the Jonathan Majors situation. And I'm just saying the word situation because there's a lot of uh, discussion and I'm, you know, not here to repeat anything that hasn't been corroborated. There are charges uh, pressed against Jonathan Majors that are uh, of a domestic abuse nature. Uh, and that's serious. And we take that seriously. And uh, there's statements that it's possible it was recanted. Um, but it also seems like it's happening and going forward. Uh, in the wake of that, it appears more people came forward to talk about the situation uh, with personal experience from it. So um, with all of that going on, it would appear that there is some discussion that Marvel is hedging their bets as far as the Jonathan Majors Kang situation goes. One of the big rumors is that Kang was always going to be sort of a patsy villain for a bigger villain down the line. So. Um, the decision to make Kang the big villain was a result of Jonathan Majors' ability as an actor. Um, so they could be reducing him. Uh, Kevo brought to my attention a report from the other day that uh, involved a, a two-and-a-half-minute Loki upfronts presentation with not a moment of Jonathan Masters in it. Majors. Jonathan, oh, geez. Jonathan Masters, Jonathan Majors. Sure. James uh, you Masters. Know, uh, you know, the whole... Everybody called him Justin Bateman for a while. Um, sorry. You know how it. mad James Marsters must be that he's not Loki? That's got to be hard for him. Uh, you know, because I feel like fake British is as close to fake British. Yeah, uh, Norse, Australian, right? British. Yeah, Shakespearean. Uh, so, all right. I just said a whole bunch of stuff about a whole bunch of stuff. And... My question for you guys is, how are you feeling about this uncertainty, this lack of focus as far as a future plan? It's not that I believe that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is collapsing, but I believe they do have a daunting task ahead of them. Uh, they do. Like, no matter what they do, uh, we have to keep in mind that there's only four other phases that have ever happened and each is unique for reasons that there's just even still not a ton of data to go on to determine what makes a phase what makes a phase good uh yeah. what to do with the next one we just there's surprisingly like you think there's so many of these movies there's still not a ton of data when you factor in that the first phase really can't tell you a lot because it's also intro. Uh, and then that this one phase four being just after the enormity that was uh, end game. Um, it just, it's so difficult to pull each of these off. Uh, and in that way, I'm very forgiving, uh, and I'm very, you know, that's why I don't do like the, oh, well, you know, phase three was good, but phase four, nope. Um, they're all different. They're all my children and I love them. Um, but my concerns now go like way bigger than that. I'm getting global. I'm getting cosmic with this. My concerns are for 
you know, the future of the franchise once the X-Men are folded in, the future mm. of the franchise in an ever-changing landscape where, again, people are going to the theaters less and less, seemingly only for these films, but that can't last forever, particularly if they want to start making statements with them that will cause some people to not go. And if they don't do that, they're going to get boring and people won't go for that reason. So I, uh, everything that we have talked about, I feel like I'm not worried. Uh, I, my, I a little scared that they will back a domestic abuser because it is convenient, but I'm hoping that if that turns out to be what the situation is, they do not back him. Um, I, you know, have some concerns that specific films that I want to be great will not really be my bag, but in general, uh, I feel like we're, we're in good hands to go from movie to movie. I just don't know where we're really going broadly with this enormous meta plot universe. Kevo, how are you feeling? I, I do feel badly for the state of the world in cinema that are beyond anyone's control who's producing this. You know, we went through Pando and... You know, now everything that is going on with the writer's strike and just so much that's going on in the world that is just making filmmaking in general uh, a very treacherous path uh, the last couple of years. And it really reminds you uh, just what a near damn miracle the Infinity Saga even was to accomplish these 23 films Yes. that tell a significantly linear narrative uh, that were so hugely successful, all of it. It, it. it was such a feat. And to keep it sustaining, even in the way that they are keeping it sustained, uh, like it or lump it, uh, it's still going. It's still earning a ton of money, and it's still going forward. Uh, one of the things that I also constantly point to in our criticism of these films and a lot of storytelling is I point to the comic book form of storytelling and the way that things have to shift very frequently when it comes to that as well. And you do just sort of have to roll with the punches uh, and the creative and artistic shifts that just sort of need to happen. And I feel like that audience, for as nitpicky as it can be, uh, also learned to be a lot more forgiving of things like an artist needing to change or a writer quitting suddenly. And you complain, but you move on and you don't quit the entire industry. And uh, so I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for how expansive it's become, is really experiencing a lot of those things because of how many people are involved in making all of these films and it makes it difficult but i am like tk said not worried yet in any way uh am i certain i'm going to love everything that comes out of the machine right now no will i probably enjoy it yeah i'm not worried currently that i won't enjoy any of it and, you know, to what you guys are talking about, I just want to uh, bring in my friend, right? I'm going to I'm gonna be a serious interview man for a minute. <clears throat> right. Where did Nico I'm, go? I'm serious interview man. Uh, oh, welcome. Welcome to the show. It's me, Nikki Action. Uh, on the scene, 
with uh, the uh, hard-hitting news. And uh, I'm here interviewing a very famous uh, superhero lady. I'm going to spare you all the Nikki action uh, accent. but Work on it. Invite him back. I have here for everybody example number one of what happens when you promise something is going to be great. We were given all of this setup that when Wanda finally goes Wanda, it's going to be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And instead, what we got was Wanda as the cheap villain to a Doctor Wanda Strange fuck. film. Yeah, Wanda fuck. Right? Man, Drag Race, call us. We are just feeding you. Right? Then, you know, Wanda's sitting over there like, you know, my life's hard. But then I got this buddy over here who's like, you think it's tough being a bad payoff? Imagine being hyped forever and ultimately dying in your first appearance. Well, there's other ones, though. It's just not... Well, and then, of course, there's always... He's too green screened. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, is that Danny? Is that poor Danny? Oh, it's Danny. I mean, again, I'll try to edit it. I'll try to oh edit my god. him. In, but but yeah. I want him in this purple. Oh, that's fabulous! Look at this. Yeah, it's like the purple and green dark spider from Dark Web. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we genuinely have no idea what we're doing with the Defenders crew, but the Defenders crew got their series that were as good as they could be. Uh, Danny's was always going to be bad. Uh, now we have Lin Lie, and we have a whole new hope for Iron Fist. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, characters get done dirty. That is that is part of the problem. Um, we only get love that hat uh we do only get so many opportunities to do this and that's yes i'm sort of taking back my thing that like i'm not worried because i get that yes sometimes characters don't get the opportunities that they ought to i guess my thing is there's always another character uh the fact that danny did not do well on his tv show and doesn't work does not matter because the three other defenders worked even Luke Cage, whose show wasn't the best, was good. And, you yeah. know, he's such a good Luke Cage. He has such chemistry with Kristen Ritter. Uh, the three of them, they're fine. So, you know, if you are a Marvel fan and you didn't get Danny, I really hope that you can accept all of the other amazing martial artists that you will get uh, and be okay not getting Danny. So, Okay. You know, we've talked a little bit about this. We've talked a little bit about that. Now let's talk um, a lot of bit about a little something. Let's talk quantumania. It's time. Let's uh, let's quantify. You you know, you accuse him. We're a quantify, right? So my first thought about this movie is I remember when this trailer hit and it seemed impossibly badly mixed and... Uh, they made it seem like it was going to be this much more dramatic film. Um, and I'm not saying that this movie was like a lighthearted romp, but ultimately how I feel about Quantumania is that it is birthed of 11 other films around it. 
This is a result of the Guardians of the Galaxification of the Marvel Universe, for which I am very grateful. But because so many other things did so many similar things around this, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Thor 4, it felt very much like there was nothing unique here. Um, kind of from the moment it started. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really argue with that. Um, Sharp cool. graphic. Yeah, Thanks. very nice graphic. Um, cool concepts. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't like Evangeline Lily, but I like the actors for the most part. Um, Nico, something you said when we were kind of talking over our rewatches was like, this is another one that I probably would have loved as a series. Uh, and this is a great mm. example of one that would have been great to make a series because it's another well-to-do white guy and basically all white cast with the exception of the villain who at the time we all knew was coming back as a bigger villain so whatever um but you know if you can say paul rudd and evangeline lily and you know michelle pfeiffer and michael douglas are doing our streaming tv program streaming uh show program it maybe makes it more okay that uh something like black widow the only female headlining marvel thing is also a streaming film uh this would have been the perfect one to break those boundaries and i really think you're right like you can see where the beats in this film that are too quick and could have expanded into a 40 minute episode are all over the place um you know it just moves too fast in a way that makes it seem like there actually is no substance because you never get a chance to push into what that substance is it does make me wonder at times though what is the substance that is there like i really agree with um with everything that, that that you guys are saying about feeling like there is so much room for uh, growth and expansion and and outward storytelling in just this this film alone, but it almost feels like it is grounds for a Marvel animated show more than it would be like any kind of serious show. And I think hugely, uh, one of the things that makes me uh, think that is characters like, uh, what's this guy's name again? Veb. Uh, Veb. You know, drink the ooze and the bar that Janet takes them to where they meet Bill Murray and everyone's weird and it's all kooky. And it makes me think of like the Men in Black animated series. I think there is genuinely genuinely grounds in just this film alone for like several seasons of a fun uh exciting wacky kind of gross marvel uh kids animated series but i don't know that i necessarily feel like there is uh the kind of expansion into a broader series the way there is for wakanda forever um, again, maybe at like a, a, a lower level, like a phrase that I used when we were watching this that uh, that that I don't mean insultingly, but uh, decom, 
which is short for Disney Channel Original Movie. Very family fair, very fun, uh, very colorful, very wacky, very loud, uh, very drink the ooze. And, you know, that's kind of the nature of anything where you're going to a world where nothing looks like what we know and you still have to have action comedy beats. It's hard to do that super serious. Uh, Kevo, could you pull up the amazing slide of the creative team for a moment? Absolutely. So the movie was written by Jeff Loveness, directed by Peyton Reed, originally released on February 17th of 2023 with music composed by team favorite Christoph Beck and a runtime listed online of 124 minutes, but listed on Disney plus of 126 minutes. So, uh, Action Plus over here just said split the fucking difference. 125 minutes. That's what it is. And um, 20 minutes longer than it should have been. Yes. Um, You know, and my problem isn't even with the movie I got. It's with the movie I didn't get. From the minute Mm. the movie begins, there's all of this. What is reality? Am I real? And then we get a multitudinous exploration of what it means to be hundreds of Ant-Man all working toward the same goal. And it took hundreds of Ant-Men working toward the same goal with millions of ants working toward the same goal to stop one Kang. And then we see the inverse is all of those Kangs working together at the end. I think that's an incredible beat. Then show it! Then say it! Then ever connect the ant mentality. Ever connect the hive mind mentality and the Kangs learning from Ant-Man. Because Kang never thinks of himself as the little guy, so he would need the little guy to show him this other perspective. Stop saying, oh, well, we did enough. We we showed the big scenes. You know what? You should just assume that most of your audience came to the English language by watching commercials and infomercials in the 1980s and has a tenuous grasp on narrative fiction. I will say this as an English major and former educator it's the state of things you need to assume your audience is struggling to understand not that they're stupid that they lack the understanding fundamentals don't treat it's us a conversation it's a conversation we had early on in our uh creative collaboration as partners back in our schoolboy days uh where you uh having been a student of sorkin and of uh david e kelly uh tried to presume to have what you felt was a little more faith in your audience. And it was exactly as you're saying, it's not, not having faith in your audience. It's making it easier for them to follow. That's your job as the storyteller and the narrator. You shouldn't make it difficult for your audience to discern what they are looking at. Um, so yeah, cause even a lot of the things you're saying about comparing it to the hive mind and, there needing to be these millions of different Scots to defeat the one Kang, and there's millions of Kangs. Yeah, a lot of that penny didn't drop for me until you were talking about it during this episode just now. So, 
uh, for as enjoyable as I found the film, and for as much as a lot of the beats are there, they clearly didn't carry it across the finish line as much as uh, they needed to. Yeah, I, I, I'm really now thinking about it a lot, thinking about like the ants versus the the Scots versus the Kangs and this uh, multitudinous idea, how that relates to the uh, the idea of variance and timelines melting together, melding together. And what does that mean for the MCU? What is, what is the fact that we are doing multiple timelines mean for the MCU? This was the film to really seed that in some capacity. You know, I might have done more of like, and this is why it could have been a series, like another, like somehow timelines meet up in the quantum realm and we meet another Scott who is on a different but similar journey. Um, could we maybe, could we maybe meet a, a Tony Stark Ant-Man? Oh my God, could we oh, ever? yeah. The hottest version of Stop. either character it's just ever absurd. created but that's a brilliant idea some something give us something that sort of makes a statement you know i don't nothing you guys are talking about is even really dumbing it down it's like taking your concept and doing something with it not just having the ideas in certain scenes and then repeat it again but make it something and make that matter to the bigger plot i want to believe that multiple timelines is more than just how we get things the way we need them for this franchise to continue I want it to really be that this matters because it matters to what the Marvel Universe is overall, whether it be on page or on screen. And, you know, um, Kevi, I just really want to, you know, give it up to you. I didn't realize it until you put the image up. The image where um, Scott is looking at the ants in the cage looks so much like the image of the multiverse at the end of the film that the versions oh, yeah. of Kang look at. And it's this network of movement, of traveling, of working together. These threads are there. This movie has the potential to be great. Like, there's movies that I think you could fix really easily. I just wish the way that Thor had defeated Gore was just being like, hey... You've killed so many gods. You're like the god of god killing. I guess you're the king of the gods. Your little god bomb killing the king of the gods is going to kill you. Like, that's a full fucking rewrite. And, like, I'm pitching you're a it god anyway. boy. Yeah, you're a little god boy, aren't you? Go method act at some lighting riggers. You know what I mean? Like, he's Christian Bale. <laughs> so, um, I think this movie didn't need the rewrites. Instead of Kang getting off the ground 85 times, showing Jonathan Majors, yeah. you know, Jonathan Majors, who the the cycle he must be on makes the liver king look tiny, uh, or he has the greatest genetic code of all time, whatever it is, uh, bless him. Career rep. His performance here is very strong, maybe a little hammy to the point of silly at times, but, but either dead or hammy. Yeah, 
Um, and I just want to jump back. You know, it, you actually added something to my thing, TK, hmm. where you said like togetherness adds a factor. The family, the ant family, is an ant man, a wasp, an ant man, a wasp, stature, right? You know, so Cassie. Darren as Modoc is completely ineffectual until he believes he's part of the Avengers. Yeah. And the he family, yeah. He doesn't gain the ability to function within the parameters of the story's definition of success until he belongs. The Ant-Men don't stand a chance until they've united the quantum realm. Yep. This is all there, and it's all. Oh my god! And he was wonderful. yellow jacket. He was. He was an ant person. Yeah, technically. It's all there. It's all beautiful. It could all have been done. And... Oh Jesus! <laughs> Honestly, I really don't hate Mostly this. Beautiful. I think it's great that it's so terrible. Like I, I think you know, I, I like it. Um, that Kang also has no one has nothing is all alone that he destroyed the one friendship slash relationship that he had uh and by the way if you left that movie and thought that kang and janet never you are out of your damn mind um why not I i would never let either one of them off the planet without being like hey um I have a I have a photo bucket full of nudes. If you just, if you just... that's all I'm saying. Anyway, you know he had somebody for one moment, and when he is all by himself, though he can you know do the Kang thing, he is never able to achieve his ultimate goal. Where that is, you know what what the family is able to do. Kang um, the Conqueror did the thing. Uh. Oh, gosh, I don't have a good line to follow that up with. But yes. Um, Anyway, it is all there. It just wasn't used. Now, speaking of something that wasn't used, but we hope gets used since we are good at continuity on this show. uh, I just wanted to pivot briefly to Tony Stark Ant-Man. Just so the audience has an idea of what we're talking about when we say he is so illogically hot. He's just an... He's just Tony Stark, who became Ant Man instead of Iron instead of uh, Iron Man. We talked about him in in one of our videos. I can't yeah. remember which one off the top of my head, so I'll try to look back and uh, make a note. Uh, but yeah, because I know I've seen him before, and I know I've definitely uh, made sure to get a visual reference for and this this gentleman. This multiversal Avengers, I think, have some legs uh, in the comics going forward. Infinity um, Thing is up there, right? Yeah, who is, uh, Infinity who is just Thing. fantastic. Um, it's oh, an interesting so bunch. Cool. This this Aaron run, guys, you know, if you don't watch our comic coverage as much and uh, you are an MCU person that's like always been curious about the comics, the Jason Aaron run that just finished. So it's a finite run with a beginning, middle and end. It really was built by one of the greats to be for MCU people 
to understand how bonkers comics get, but to be in on the action the whole time. It really is one of those series that can be read without knowing the entirety of Marvel Comics, but it will catch you up on the entirety okay. of continuity for Marvel Comics. And, you know, I I do think that run will be one of those ones that is referenced and important in all Marvel media for years to come. So I really can't recommend enough that, you know, if you if you have the time, if you have Marvel Unlimited, give this a try. Uh, plus, you'll get to meet hot Tony Stark Ant-Man, and you, you just would be so lucky. I mean, his name is Ant. How can you not love that? Anthony. Yeah. Oh, that's... What a stark oh, no, you... point. No. Um, so, okay. I want to bring up the other major thing that this movie did was it... <sighs> okay. Okay. If I say to you, what's the best part about an ensemble film? Most people will say the ensemble. Um, if you say... What's the thing that made this film franchise famous? And it's an ensemble. You might say, oh, good. Include them in the sequel. Do you know what I wouldn't say to do for the third movie? Drop the ensemble that made the film a success. I mean, Luis is the best part of the franchise in a lot of ways. And uh, he's a charming gentleman in the films. Uh, Kevin, would you bring up the cast list? Yeah. I just want to thank Kevo. You know, I give him these notes that look um, a little bit like, uh, you know, like the neurotic scrawlings of an artist trying to convince someone they're brilliant. <laughs> and uh, Kevo makes these incredible graphics out of it. So I'm always so grateful. Um, I'm your Salieri. Right. We've got uh, we've got Scott Lang, Hope Van Dyne. A new Cassie Lang, but she is a returning character for sure. We have the return of Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas, and Corey Stoll, though that's kind of questionable how it's his return. It's the return of Jonathan Majors from playing He Who Remains over in the pages, the pages, ha <laughs> ha, uh, the world of Loki. And then David, 101 Dalmatian. I am so sorry, sir. I'm just not going to do your name uh, disrespect by pronouncing it wrong. But, uh, you know, please feel free to call in, be on the show, and let me know how to pronounce it. Um, David D. He played, he played Veb, who's, you know, my kind of guy just going around shouting he's got holes. Um, he was previously Kurt in Ant-Man 1 and 2. The guy who's like, Baba Yaga, Baba Yaga. There's the Yaga. Um, and, um, no thank you on Bill Murray. Uh, the guy is evidently super toxic. This has been talked about a lot on shows that have a lot more backing up for it than we do. Uh, I didn't need another big deal cameo that probably, you know, the, sh the, the movie would have worked without Kryler. The soldiers just could have shown up and that would have eaten 15 minutes from the film that we could have gotten from Kang instead. And, uh, yeah, I think Bill Murray's my big regret about this. Kryler is also just such a weird comics pull that doesn't add much to have him in there. He's a Hulk villain. Uh, oh, yeah. And we're not doing, we're not anywhere near doing, you know, the one below all or the one above all, even though he who remains is kind of like 
could be part of that. You know, we're not doing the green door. Um, so pulling this character in is just a, a weird choice. Um, it's like, it's so like when they do it, sometimes to me, it's like almost acknowledging like, we are aware that there, these connections can be made. That's why we put this character in. But we are specifically choosing to not do anything with it. We did the research. We just don't care. I mean, he literally appears in one issue ever. Um, it's issue 156 of The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. You know, he's he's not some big deal character. Kevo, I'm sending you the image if you uh, want to try yeah, sure. and get this up on the uh, board. But yeah. I, mean, I guess in that regard, then, it's... Um... You know, sure, it could be nobody, or it could be a character who appeared the one time. Uh, you know, in Shiva Princesses of Power, there's this sort of wimpy character in the Horde who is named Kyle. And he actually is a character from the original cartoon show, uh, who only ever appeared in one episode. And, you know, obviously it's not the same character, but they could have created an entirely original character or they could have done a cute little thing that was a nod to the cartoon show and i guess that's sort of what it is but um for me it's mostly that bill didn't do anything with the role anyway so well you know vuck really made dark phoenix um so all things aside biggest problem with this movie is the plot is kind of pointless um Kang, in all of his infinite power, can't find a way to retrieve a thing. I, I understand that there's, you know, there's plot phlebotinum, you know, and that's that just what it is. Me. But, well, that's even the thing. Like, so the whole thing kind of rests on nothing. And the nothing that it rests on restarts over and over again every time Kang gets back up. Ultimately, his defeat is kind of pointless the thing is, I know I'm saying some really negative things about this movie, but for all the negative things, I had a good time. I didn't have a great time. And it could have been 25 minutes shorter. But what I got from this movie is that there are pockets of the Marvel Universe worth exploring. And Kevo, your whole point about an animated show, I don't know that I could do an animated show, but if this had been a live action animated hybrid where there's the live action bits at the beginning and then everything in the quantum realm was some kind of animated. And so it was still these voice actors and it had been a season. I would have given this show a lot of my time and energy. There's a lot more patience I have for things in animation. Um, You know, just to bring up something we're going to cover at some point, but with lower decks, that moment where the Ferengi is like, oh man, and they're like, get, get, and they like kick back the Ferengi. They're like, no, get, like, that's hysterical. But if I ever saw Michael Burnham kick at a Ferengi, I would lose my mind. I would be like, character murder. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that it, like, just character assassination beyond any reasonable belief. And that's what I would have had a little bit more okay time with here. Because the only other major regret I have about this film is the worst the film looks ever. Oh, yeah. Um, this face. Yeah, not, not great. But uh, the other big problem 
is Ant Man looks horrible giant in that one sequence. Whoa, he's moving slowly. It was more of the like, dialogue for me than it was the actual visual. But the voice sounds like Candy from All Stars 8. It's killing me. Yeah, so he just shouldn't have talked. I, I also, that was a point where I turned to you guys and I was like, is this, is this really big? Part I mean, of the problem is we're in the, the quantum story. realm. So I don't know how big these buildings are. I don't know how big a story of each of these buildings is. So he's not bigger than the Golden Gate Bridge. That's something that is a visual that we could understand is the biggest he's ever been. Look, but it's the Mickey and Friends parking structure. Yeah, it's we don't know. This isn't this isn't. So that's part of what de-escalated this climax for me is I couldn't even tell that this was extra big. Just felt like regular giant. Which really, at the end of the day, is like a 30 second explanation of like in the quantum realm, we can't do size changes the way that we do them in our world because it's impossible to compare. But I tweaked our machine and now I can get what would be, you know, as tall as the sky in our world. Like there's ways to do it. But again, it's just like nobody really cares. And it feels like what they really think is that you don't care. Um, and that's one of the big bummers to me. That's one of those things along with feeling like sometimes the movies are too lowest common denominator that I'm just like, it's time to stop underestimating the audience and start challenging them a little bit. Mm. And speaking of challenging, uh, you know, I'm happy to go back to the, you know what? Let's, I don't want to move on too fast. Uh, I was going to go to the two post credit scenes cause they are challenging, but uh, just to rewind a minute. Um, Cassie's great here. Uh, I was going to do the ant family real quick. Cassie's great here. Uh, man, I yeah. love this green, yellow, red light system. I want to do that for everything in every movie now. It's our own little rubric. It's everything to me. Um, I did three points for every green light, two points for every yellow light, and one point for every red light. And look, if you've got to be like, get the fuck out of the crosswalk, like, I guess I can give you zero points on one thing. Um, I thought Cassie was great. The acting was spectacular. Uh, I was really aggressively annoyed about it. Yet another recast of a young woman in these films so that she could, I guess, be a more sexualizable age and don't care for that. But this was a great performance from a terrific actress really made me accept that she could hold her own next to Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. And, you know, maybe Evangeline Lilly is like lost Evangeline Lilly, but Paul Rudd is like, America's sweetheart Paul Rudd, he's up there with a Michael Douglas or a Catherine Z- wait, no, uh, or a Michelle Pfeiffer. Catherine Zeta Jones is just married to Michael Douglas. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is married to him in the movie. Has Catherine ever commented on being in a superhero movie? I'm sure she must have at some point. She got asked questions uh, being his wife. She does I'm what sh- she wants. I'm sure she wants to be in like, you know, like Chicago Avengers where she can just play Velma Kelly kicking her way through bad guys. Um, Cause you know, why not go for your Oscar winning role? Um, oh, good Lord. So I go to look this up real quick. 
Yeah. The first headline uh, is about how every time Michael Douglas loses a game of of golf to his wife, he is required to whip his dick out for her. That's my kind of marriage. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. If if Catherine Zeta Jones was like, "Show me your penis," I would be the happiest guy all the time. Good uh, job, girl. Good job, Kathy Zeta. I am all about how you run this world, girls. Um, all right. So yeah, that's my question for you guys. How did you feel about Cassie? About uh, Hank, Janet, uh, and I'll put it out there, Darren. That at least I died in a Uncle you Darren, a brother for me. Uncle Darren, <laughs> I loved the end for him, the part where he died. So, uh, how did you guys feel about the supporting cast? And fine, you can talk about Hope too. I'm fine <laughs> with everybody. Uh, you know, I'm even fine with Darren as Modoc. I, I, I think it's funny. I think it would have been really tough to make Modoc anything else on the big screen. So you might as well really lean into it. But what a um, way to communicate that to your audience. We're never doing Modoc, so enjoy this instead. I hope. Fodoc. Fodoc. Um, I've never heard that genuinely. Um, you know, I just I, they're, they're all fine. Um I it's tough to say that I care a ton. I thought that actor who played Cassie was very good. Uh, I would be really excited if she were in Young Avengers. I feel Truly. like she would kill it. I don't think she kills it here, not because she isn't good, just because this movie isn't set up for supporting cast members, really. Yeah. Um, you know, and it is so worried about making sure Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas are properly accommodated, which, like, maybe you should do that. That's fine. Um, but they are so important in a way that they also so do not matter that it's a weird mix. And meanwhile, the person who suffers most is Cassie. Um, but that actor to me, when she is uh, getting out of jail and talking to her dad, those are the times where I'm like, that's a, that's an Avenger right there. Put her with, um, you know, Florence Pugh and Haley Steinfeld. She will hold her on. I'm very excited, but also I'm, shocked that basically everybody we have to conceive of for young avengers is a woman there are no young men um and there the are... ones we're waiting on are all queer yeah 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 oh and um, we have patriot that the patriot is the one because that that person is the right age to be in avengers but he's so barely in the movie the kids that we have from wandavision can't be uh, Billy and Teddy will need new kids for that. So we don't really have them. We don't come close to having a Novar, although my hope is that's a Marvel's thing. Yeah. Um, but we've got like five young women that could be the Young Avengers tomorrow and they would all be fantastic. So I really like that actor. This movie did not condone itself well for her. <laughs> and... Part of my hope, then, is that maybe a lot of this film's purpose for the wider MCU is just to put these characters in a prime position to appear in other stuff. Something I couldn't help noticing as I was making these boards and as we were watching then the film is 
literally how much of the entire film Paul Rudd spends in this suit. I kept waiting for Cassie to suit up, but he does immediately. And it really feels like trying to associate us with Ant-Man and with how much he uh, is directly uh, in effect for what at least is going to happen with Kang, with Kang, whether that is going to play in something even above Kang or whatever they decide to do with it. They're going to have to wrap it up somehow. And with the ending uh, of him having that giant panic attack, they were clearly trying to drive us toward something where I think and at least hope that Ant-Man will be a uh, broader feature going forward. And with Ant-Man, I hope that we continue to see the Ant family. Uh, not even just these three, but, you know, how much we love uh, Janet and Hank. Um I threw this one on the board in case I had an opportunity to bring it up, but to them in the classic suits from uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, the, the, the second movie. So uh, seeing them get to play a little bit more in something. I know Michael Douglas wants to come back to die. Uh, sure, that'll be fun. Do something exciting with it. Uh, ants. 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 Uh, you know, the ants, they're fun. You know, I see where this movie could have been more in so, so many ways that we have discussed, but I kind of even feel like this was just touching on the more that the MCU still could be. One of the things that I was saying as we were watching this was it really felt like they were saying, hey, you think that the only weirdness we have to offer is Guardians of the Galaxy? Look how weird the Quantum Realm is. You don't even know where we could... Look Look at this guy with a light bulb for a head. What's his deal? Um, there's just so many, so much untapped potential uh, that could come to more, that could not come to more. Uh, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just have fun. And that's sort of what I feel like the moral of Quantum Mania is. And one of the things I can't help but notice is how many other world we keep going to. It was like the Dark World, uh, or you know whatever was the equivalent of the Dark World in uh, Yeah. Four. It was Carmitage. It was uh, the uh, the name is slipping my mind. Uh, the other magical world. We saw epic battles in in phase Hello four. from uh, Hello, thank you. Yeah, a lot of different. That's a really and excellent so, point. And a lot of these movies have ended with um, going to a restaurant or a coffee shop, like Spider Man, like Shang Chi, like this. A lot of the movies have involved uh, sort of trans meta multiple versions of people: Spider Man, Doctor Strange. Quantum Mania, um, you know, that's the whole point of Loki. And speaking of Loki and other versions of people, man, I bet Marvel is really regretting these two post-credit scenes. Um, they both septuple down on Kang. Uh, I do know that the, you know, the oh, man, Jonathan Majors is just so. Do you know I had damn, to make this so stupid, gorgeous? So I had to work so hard handsome. to make this. Because there's the screen caps for this scene are so hard to find still. People aren't really talking about it. 
And I have yeah. to assume it's, I, I don't know, maybe everything going on. Maybe it's the fact that it just feels really cheaply like it is just chopped off of Loki season two and put on the end of the movie here. And I'm not a big, big fan of that. Uh, you know, honestly, I I prefer that to a trailer. Uh, okay. At the, I think they did it at the end of Multiverse of Madness, or maybe it was Love and Thunder, but for Multiverse of Madness, for sure they did one. Yeah. Yeah, and that really upset me because I stayed in the theater to watch a trailer that I'm a Marvel fan. You think I hadn't already seen that a thousand times? Um, and so even to take uh like a, a scene that was going to get cut out of loki or you know even a scene that's going to be in loki but to hype me up a little bit for me that was enough i thought that these two scenes as the post-credit scenes were brilliant at the time because this is you know what i was waiting for um for for kang you know I, we knew we were going to see uh these three especially um although i thought it would be iron lad i didn't think it would be uh centurion but um um if iron lad is kang then they can't do it is it tony stark because they'll know it's not tony stark when he's black Ooh. fair point fair point yeah um which good you know, also bring in that diversity i'm here for it i don't yeah. need iron lad to be white yeah after um, watching go ahead sorry Oh, no, I was just going to say uh, I then that that the next one was yet another version of Kang. But we know we're about to go see that one for realsies where like these three were maybe not going to see them again for two to six years. Um, I just it was cool. It was just that's all. This movie was also the first time I think I was excited about the possibility of there being Iron Lad specifically because now Kang has met Cassie functioning as whatever her Cassie Lang superhero persona is to some degree. I would say she's at least as established here as a fighting force as Kate was in Hawkeye, uh, even without a name yet. So I think the idea of bringing Iron Lad in now, as opposed to the way it was presented originally of her meeting Iron Lad first, uh, would be really, really, really fascinating. Um, speaking of fascinating, I just want to comment, uh, those three versions of Kang, all the way to the left is Ramatut, in the middle was Immortus, uh, the one on the right, I kept being like, I can't place him, but I know there's only so many versions of Kang, uh, the reason I can't place him, because his name is a reference to the color of his costume, which considering he is the Scarlet Centurion... <laughs> Uh, I think he's just going to be the Centurion. I think they don't need the word Scarlet. I think Scarlet Witch, it makes it a little too... There's no reason for the descriptor, and making yeah. him blue is a cool change. Yeah. Except visually, and I don't mean this because they are both, you know, handsome black men with, um, you know, a futuristic look, but the design of this costume visually looks to me like a lot of the design of the... Like the way the high evolutionaries networking yes. sort of meets his skin. Yeah. So I just think that's an example of where it's not that they're identical, but there's a little too much similarity for characters that I, I wouldn't think are connected, characters that I don't believe are related in any way. So that they so disparately look similar has me a little like maybe the VFX department needed to communicate a little bit more. 
um, to keep these two characters design work right here. Such a unique place to feel similar from looking similar. Um, also, just an absolute riot that Ramatut's tits are out. Um, oh, yeah. Full glory. I, you know, again, as as it should be, but... Cha-cha-cha. Um, I, I sort of wondered if we would see Ramatut, especially because that's such a weird offshoot situation that takes us into deep marvel lore uh and is another place where the x-men really could be a thing and i sort of was like i don't know if they're gonna want to do that because that's we're all sitting here waiting for it and to even do the reverence to ramatut is gonna make like a billion people be like here's why the x-men are now in the mcu and um this is it this is it yep uh but you know i think focusing on having the tits out helps to distract us. So very smart there. All said and done. I'm glad I saw it. Uh, you know, I was going over our list and we gave everything scores, but we did not score this film. Now I am confident saying going over our coverage in my head that we would have given uh, Guardians, three thumbs ups. Uh, I do believe we would have afforded it the nine point maximum. Everybody was pretty positive on Guardians 3. Right? So, uh, what about this movie? I think I'm going to give it a yellow. Yeah, this is my this is a solid yellow. Man, the, the coloration on the screen makes my thumb look so red, but it's like a normal thumb. Um, <laughs> so stupid. Uh, I, I give this a solid yellow. It gets a two from me. Um, you know, how about you guys? You guys, uh, yep, it's a two. It's got this is kind of not one of those. It's got amazing things and terrible things. It's just all the way through solid. Yeah, Kevo, how you feeling? Yeah, um, I'm solid, trending up uh, for sure. Uh, I would definitely watch again. Uh, I appreciate that it is moderately short. Uh, it was really the, like I was saying about Wakanda Forever, that final sh shift into high gear, um, of, you know, Kang trying to get through the portal and them having to wail on each other. And it just, that went on for too long. And then, then then them thinking they can't get back to earth it was just it, all of it was drawn out for several minutes too long and i think if they had tightened that up i'd be able to give this a much more solid b uh but you know c is still passing and so yeah definitely for sure definitely enjoyed it then this guy gets six points uh, that puts it in league with a number of other films. Uh, definitely lower than WandaVision, but pretty on par with where we put things like Doctor Strange, uh, notably above where we put What If. So good company, you know, uh, around Thor Love and Thunder, maybe trending a little better than that. Uh, of course, Guardians, uh, definitely a higher score from us as a crew. And... Um, 
you know, hopefully the next couple of movies blow us away. But before we get to any more movies, when we come back after this commercial break, we're going to be taking a look at a number of the upcoming TV shows in the Marvel Disney Plus slate. After all, this is our Sunday TV broadcast. So uh, what would it be without a little bit of TV talk? So we're going to be taking a look at uh, Secret Invasion. That's uh, the, I have to assume, complete series. I don't think they're going to be like, Secret Invasion Season 2! It's not done, and now everybody knows about it. Um, that would be a terrible name for a second season. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at Loki Season 2, all new showrunners. We're going to be taking a look at the filmed twice Echo, and I'm going to talk about why I think this guy threw the Echo showrunning team for a loop. But before we move on to that, I just want to check with you guys. Final thoughts on Ant-Man. Were you guys, you know, looking back, do you guys feel good about it? Do you guys feel strong? Ants. Ants. Yeah, no. I'm uh I'm totally ambivalent. It was fine. It was fun. Ambivalent. Um ambivalent. Uh it was fine, it was fun. Didn't blow me away. Uh might feel a little bit differently if poor Jonathan Majors wasn't in this limbo that he, I shouldn't say poor Jonathan Majors, if Jonathan Majors wasn't in this limbo that he is in. Um, but given that, given poor that us. I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm rooting for Kang or not, uh, I'm just kind of like, meh. meh. And Kevo, final thoughts. Um, yeah, same overall pleasant, really could have gone harder, but uh, really could have lived up to this original logo for Quantumania in some fun ways. But uh, as far as not living up to my expectations, I don't think it hit me as hard as Multiverse of Madness ultimately did. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, We'll see what it uh, has to offer in the future. What about you? What do you got? Last thoughts? Yeah, you know, I had a good time. I would have liked if it had gone a little bit further with some of the points we made about hive mind collective understanding of, uh, you know, kind of like a cyclical theory of the way teams work. It's actually how the Avengers were able to defeat Thanos by pulling together every Avenger. But now it turns out even doing that, pulling together thousands of, of Ant-Man were only enough to defeat one Kang. What do you do with a multiverse of Kangs? Well, you'll need a multiverse of Avengers. And um, that could have been spelled out a little clearer for the audience. Um, but uh, I'm very excited uh, for the future. And I'm very excited to talk about the upcoming programs on D+. Uh, but, you know, I'd also be very excited if you guys liked, subscribed... Uh, hit share, commented, uh, generally interact with the channel and let us know what we're doing, what you like, what you don't like, suggest episodes. We're going to have a Patreon up and running real soon. And so you guys can give us money, money, money. And um, we will give you content, content, content. And it'll be cool, right? That's how that works. It's what we uh, love to do because we love you. But uh, now we're going to make like a pop star and get real commercial. <clears throat> I love this jacket. Uh, Hold like, on a second. Oh, I'm holding. You can't work for the TVA. Why, why not? Because I work for the TVA. 
<gasps> and I've never seen you before in my life. But I have the official. I'm goddamn aren't you? I must be. <gasps> That's well, Nick Adventure. I'm Nick Adventure. Oh my. <laughs> Oh, oh wow, Mike! Mike Adventure! Mike Adventure! Mike, yeah. When I got to college, uh, my friends were like, "So, what do you go by?" And I was like, uh, "Nick, I guess." But like, I don't like Nick. I like I prefer Nicholas. And they were like, "Too many syllables. How about NJ?" And I was like, "We live in New Jersey, no." And they were like, "No, we're gonna make that happen." You know, the crew of college friends that I made that lasted one day. Uh, yeah. So, but every now and then, I'm like, I wonder what NJ's doing right now. Anyway, I bet uh, they wonder too. So I am, I am balls out excited to talk about uh, Loki and Secret Invasion and uh, Echo. So right now, uh, I know we're starting things off with the hat, which is Secret Invasion. Uh, that's my Shield logo hat. Uh, this hat simultaneously ages me into dadhood and takes five years off of how tired my eyes are. So I love this hat. Um, Thanks, Nick. Right. So Nicholas J. Fury, uh, Agent Aquarius, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, I connect with him, I guess. Um, I have a lot of reactions to Secret Invasion being made into a TV show. Number one, Secret Invasion is my favorite era of Marvel ever. I've talked about this kind of extensively on the show. Uh I really genuinely think Secret Invasion is like the best era Marvel ever had. Uh, it's just every every week was exciting. Literally every Wednesday was a, a joy. And like there are some tones I wish were done differently. Uh, they a number of the writers did work really hard to avoid really ugly comparisons that did not it did not make sense, did not fit the Marvel brand. Um, but you know the the ugly story or two did bleed in. Um, but for the most part of the like 730s, I just Alyssa Edwards so hard into the microphone. Um, but for the most part of the like 733, you'll notice the number just went up because uh, more issues of Secret Invasion are literally coming out this year. Uh, the majority of it was great. Uh, now, Teek, I know you've said the same thing about having a really positive relationship with the source material. Uh, I'd love to get that from you. And then, Kevo, I would love for you to follow up with your expectations of Secret and, you know, Secret and Veve, as they would call it on Drag Race. I do have a lot of positive associations with Secret Invasion. There are also a few negative ones, um, but it really was a fantastic uh, payoff of everything that began with Bendis's run in New Avengers, which is around the time that I started picking up on... Well, I'd been picking up on X-Men again. New Avengers was when I started picking up other Marvel stuff and getting more involved and more interested. Um yeah, I mean, it was a really sprawling, well-executed event um, that I think, you know, had potential to maybe be even more than it was. But uh, I, to put that name on something gives me some real expectations that I have a strong feeling, given that I know where we are in the MCU right now, it would be very tough to meet. Yeah, I get that. How about you, Kevo? Um, you know, specifically 
My strongest memory of Secret Invasion is that Secret Invasion was going on around the time that we met. Uh, not even got together necessarily, but met. And so this was something I was hearing a lot about from this uh, zany guy in my English classes uh, telling me about these things called scrolls and I don't care about this just tell me about there's gay Avengers and uh, you know I remember seeing all of these ads in all of your comics for Secret Invasion and you telling me about this whole huge thing and so I it is one of the it is it is the first event that I ever watched you experience live and so for me it has always had a very significant uh, place. Uh, and so I have also been very curious about the choice of adaptation uh, for this, the way it is happening. Uh, it raises so many questions about how can you label something secret invasion that would need to affect the wider mcu in so many ways and i don't know if they will or if it is going to be an age of ultron situation where we just like that cute name and look at how cute this graphic is look at that logo who wouldn't want a cute logo like that it's a secret invasion i hope that it is something far more approximating the actual event even if they can only do it in such a low-key way that it's not going to event too much of the major motion pictures. Something to uh, really rekindle the spirit of what Secret Invasion was and, and what a huge thing it was would be really cool. I have this memory. Uh, so, like, you know, it's really funny because like, when you talk about having favorites, everybody's got, like, too many favorites, right? And uh, I remember when... Uh, TK was first, you know, becoming super special to me, and I was becoming super special to him, and we were starting to be all schmoopy on each other. Uh, one day he was just flat out like, I just don't think you can possibly love all of the things that you love. <laughs> and uh, shortly thereafter, he was like, no, oh my god, you just have a limitless capacity to find love, don't you? And I do, but there's a couple of things that I chief love above anything else, right? <clears throat> and it's not just like, you know, these two guys down here who are my guys, you know. Um, Electra. Electra is like far and away. You know, it's it's a Daredevil, Jean Grey, Wolverine, and Electra. And that's like a really unimpeachable top four for me. Uh, it just so happens a bunch of them bang, you know, no big deal. Um but I bring it up because the way Secret Invasion started was Brian Bendis, who had very selectively used Elektra up through this point in his Daredevil run, murdered her in the pages of New Avengers, and her corpse became a scroll. And I couldn't recover. Like, it's all I thought about. I remember reading it like a hundred times in my bedroom at the time, like reading it over and over in every page of Lionel Francis use art, just mind blowing, changing my experience. And um, it's just like one of the most perfect comic experiences I ever had in my life. 
and I remember reading Secret Invasion number one and being like, this is a thing. Like, I never thought House of M was Secret Wars. And I never thought, like, World War Hulk was Secret Wars. But I remember reading Secret Invasion and being like, I'll be damned if this doesn't change comics for the rest of my for the rest of my life. And I think it really did. I really, truly believe it did. And it rested on the strength of our fandom. That's what made Secret Invasion amazing. It manipulated us into wanting that to be Jean Grey, but knowing that if it was, it cheapens her death everywhere else. Unless maybe she was reborn on the moon, and maybe we'll get a miniseries about how she was reborn somewhere else. Because that is what happened for Elektra. It turned out that the real Electra was being held by the Skrulls and she fought her way out. Uh, pretty great miniseries by Zeb Wells in his early Marvel days. But uh, Kevin, would you pull up the beautiful cast list you uh, so brilliantly made? Uh, I love this cast list. I think Samuel L. Jackson is one of the greatest actors of his era. You know, he's literally the most money makingest actor ever. Right. It's like him and Zoe Saldana, I think. Um, I think Colby Smulders gives such an incredible performance as Maria Hill, who I love. I understand that she's a toxic harpy, but like, I think she's a breathtaking, brilliant. I, I love that she is an actual tragedy. I think she's incredible. Um, and you know, more Latina tragedies, please. Uh, I love Everett actually fun. Um, he's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I am so. I, I am weird. confused how he's a Ross, though. They're both characters from the comics, though, aren't they? Yeah, but they're trying to be really careful about places that the names are the same. Like they yeah. might add. So an why e. do it? So why do it? So this would right. be Everett K. Ross, but it'd be Ross with an E at the end, right? You know what I mean? Like they're trying to be careful about that. Yeah. Uh, Don Cheadle being in this is just like, I mean, Don Cheadle is like, like a legitimate national treasure. Don Cheadle is in so many ways, a more politically active, you know, Paul Rudd. He is like a beloved. He's had so many roles over the years. He shows up on SNL wearing shirts that say protect trans kids. Like how do you ever forget what a hero that is? And uh, great to see him in this. Damn. Cre uh, created by Kyle. Bro <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. Sorry. I it's fine. I'm 49. Um, created by Kyle Bradstreet, directed by Ali Selim, uh, based on Secret Invasion by BMB, the, the very bomb of Marvel himself, Brian Michael Bendis, and uh, brilliant artist Lionel Francis Yu. The composer is evidently Chris Bowers. Uh, can't wait. It's announced okay. release is going to be six episodes uh, ranging from June 12, uh, 21st to July 26th. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty gay about this. I'm pretty bonkers. Uh, hopefully yeah. this is everything we're looking forward to. Kevin, what'd you just discovered? Cause you did a, we're, you just got gagged. We're going to be covering a bit of Chris Bauer's work uh, later this summer uh, because he apparently scored the haunted mansion film. Um, mm. and uh, has scored such things as When They See Us, Green Book, Bridgerton, uh, Dear White People, the upcoming The Color Purple film. Lots of really cool stuff. <gasps> short Treks! He did this the score for the short track, The Girl Who Made the Stars, about young Michael Burnham. The score wow. was by far one of the best things about that episode. 
Wow, really, really great work from this composer. So I'm sold on the music, and that is always a huge hurdle for me. He won, uh, he was nominated for an Emmy. Good for him. Now, we have six unknown roles. Um, mm. You know, it's stuff like, okay, so like Amelia Clark, right? Former, you know, pop star, golden goddess. I don't mean pop star like, oh, baby, baby, like pop star. I mean, popular like, star. Yeah, I mean, like Marilyn Monroe pop star. Like, you know, we've added Godzilla to our ranks kind of pop star. Um, Amelia Clark is playing Gaia who is listed as Talos's daughter. If she's not secretly the scroll queen and an implant and going to kill them all, this feels like casting Bill Murray as a character that appeared in one issue playing an unrelated version that doesn't even really look like the character. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she's going to be Varenki. Um I think that is a mistake. I think one of those unknowns could be. Um, mm. But I suspect we're not going in that direction overall, which is kind of my thing. I think this is going to look a lot more like that five-issue mini uh, that just came out. Which, which was, was great. Which was a good five issue mini. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Secret Wars, or sorry, uh, Secret Invasion was all about. You have been, loved the Marvel Universe for the past 30 years. You can't have been paying attention to all of it. You can't have known what was going on the whole time. And we can exploit that to do something really interesting. Um, because. It just simply isn't possible to be a yep. person who covers all this stuff. We can say to you, Nick Fury was not able to cover all this stuff. Nick Fury was not able to ensure that everything, everybody was safe and that we were not invaded. And now we are in this position. So it really put you in the same position as all of the characters where you as a reader simply had to say what they were saying, which is, yeah, I cannot confirm that any of this isn't true. Uh, which is a really great position to be in, but uh, the MCU has made it very clear that not only can you be aware of everything that's been happening, you should be. You should have seen all of these films. You should have seen all of these shows. Why haven't you seen them twice? Um, and in that way, we will not be able to get that same level of paranoia and uncertainty and um you know it's just and they're different mediums so for me in that regard i i think this is going to be significantly different and because we saw that cute little kid in the miss marvel or captain marvel scroll sequence i think we are just getting like hey i'm that cute little kid but now i'm the mother of dragons skull scroll yeah. dragons she has to be something important, even if it's just something in so far as, like, Talos wants her to be a spy and she doesn't want to be a spy or something. I think ultimately what she's going to be is the the founder, the first member of the Skull Kill crew um, that will become what this produces. And she's going to hunt down all the Skrull cows. 
And she's going to exactly. stop them from becoming Bubba Burgers. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and I think something that especially doesn't escape my notice in all of this is it really is a prime storytelling period for them to utilize so much of the concept of Secret Invasion because of the blip. And because they can do so many storytelling things with people who were thought to be blipped that weren't or people that said they weren't blipped but were replaced by scrolls and there's so many mind exactly so many mind-bending things you could do with that oh that my god they're gonna was, use the blip oh my god that was what i was actually hoping and what i still have hope for that they will do for sharon carter um and her being the power there's no help in sharon needles well, no. But what I really hoped was, like, it would be revealed that power broker Sharon Carter is actually a scroll, and that's where she is being villainous, as opposed to our Sharon Carter that we know being a lot more like her aunt. And there's so many things like that that you can do, and that you can spread throughout um, the MCU. I'd really like to believe that it's more of a you are rewarded from having seen everything than you need to see everything, especially because we are in such a day, an age where you can just read stuff on Wikipedia and I think they need to be doing more official themselves little catch-up clips or summaries that would make it more accessible that if you haven't seen XYZ, here's just a bit of a refresher. Uh, it's just you need to make it more accessible. That That's really all it is. If you want to have it be such an immersive world because it would be really hard to tell a secret invasion story if you haven't seen a bunch of other projects because the whole point of the project is supposed to be a bunch of our favorite heroes were replaced right. by scrolls if you're not watching someone else's movie to see what that person is doing or what characters in their story are doing to find out oh my god that person was a scroll then you don't care um so i i have high hopes i don't know how high my actual expectations are uh six episodes you can only go so wrong i pulled this image because this i want to know what's going on with this you know it's a very I, manly I, embrace between trying to say that i don't think they could be homosexuals but no uh, but this intense friendship soldiers yeah yeah i want to see more about theory these characters who have i this suspect intense that could bond be, for 30 years i suspect that uh nick could be a scroll in that moment you know uh have there been various times where nick was a scroll uh, does, yeah. does Nick not even know when he's been a scroll? There's, there's, there's a lot of, so, there's a lot of avenues they can travel. Uh, so, pick one, pick several, and leave the rest by the wayside. Just you know. Well, and on that regard, I, I love everybody being like, oh, what if? Because not just not like coming for your theory at all, Kevin. Because I love it and you know subscribe to it for a long time. I love the what if Sharon Carter power broker is a scroll, but nah, screw that. What if she's from the multiverse? Mm -hmm. and There's so many doors right now. Yeah. Which speaking of multiverse and doors, 
Uh, let's find ourselves over in the world of Loki, where Loki season one was very much to my perception promoted as Loki and Sylvie. And also, for whatever reason, I'm a you know a, a, a Wilson brothers in the background. Oh and, wow! Thanks. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, season two, Sylvie just does not seem to have the same position, and uh, I feel like from everything I've seen, Mobius is in triple the amount. And there's new showrunners, and uh, there is a very different approach. There is a lot more what it looks to be focus on this shaping instead of this responding. And um, I'm excited. I'm in. I think Tom Hiddleston is a tremendous actor. Um, he has grown into a very handsome man. Uh, boyish Tom Hiddleston, not as much my thing. And the hair is uh, a little Parker Stevens for me, and it's not my thing. But Ooh, um, yeah. I think with that hat on, yeah, man, that hat, he could play bowler hat guy in a live action Meet the Robinsons, which, please, Disney, when you're ready. Uh, I understand you're having some trouble with remakes, and I can't promise my Meet the Robinsons will be better, but I'd do it. No, and so, turn it into a musical. That'd be great. Ooh, okay. Robinson's musical. I can now I promise love. it would be much better. Absolutely. Um, Call him. So can we just get that uh, creative team up? Yeah. We have show creator Michael Waldron, who has departed and been replaced with showrunner Michael, Michael uh, oof, Eric Martin. Eric director, Michael Martin. Eric, Mike, that's just something the elevator said to you. Um, the director is no, Justin Benson uh, with additional direction. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the directing team. This is Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, right? Love that. Uh, not Agnes Moorhead. That's Endora. Uh, Kevo, did you find the listing for composer is Natalie Holt, or is that the composer from Loki season one? Uh, she is the composer from Loki season one, who is okay. uh, credited as the ongoing great composer so that's why i'm like question mark might be back uh u.s release date of october 6 2023 with an estimated episode run of six episodes and then if you could just pull up that incredible cast list it's a little bit shorter than uh secret invasions but not by much we have of course the return of tom hiddleston as loki ravona renslayer we have the return of tara strong as miss minutes Owen Wilson as Mobius, Sophia DiMartino as Sylvie, and I only wish that one of her eyes bugged out every time, because um, then she'd truly be a DiMartino. Uh, I'm very excited to see Jonathan Majors's Kang also credited as Victor Timely. Great job, Kevo, because that reminds us that that is what he's credited as in the uh, outro sequence. You put Victor, I put Kang. Oh, great. Great working together. Great call, we have Raphael Cassell and uh, Kate Dickey, neither of whom's uh, role has been released. But uh, how are you guys feeling about these? Oh, we have a number of other incredible returning cast, uh, like Hunter B-15. B-15 was such a standout moment, every moment in Loki season one. So Loki, season two me. 
I'm letting you go first this time, Kevo. I think the character that I am most intrigued to see more from is Gugu Mbatha-Raw's Ravana Renslayer because I have loved her as an actor since her appearance on Doctor Who Series 3. Uh, and she's been in a lot of varied things. So to see her return to the time fold has been really exciting. And I think they left her character and uh, Wumi Mustaku's uh, under B15 in a really interesting place as well. So, um, I, I don't know. I, so much of it uh, has grand potential. I think what I find so strange, though, is, uh, yeah, we really sort of thought Loki Season 1 was going to be an event. And then especially with the ways in which it ultimately did not tie into the same showrunner's multiverse of madness, I don't know what to expect from a season two, from a different person Truly. setting up what now? Or is it just not setting up anything? Is this going to be, you know, uh, uh, a little bit more like Dollhouse season two, where they established a setting in a world, and now you sort of understand what's going on with the time variance authority a little bit better so maybe we can get some more wacky capers and some more off the wall timelines and stuff like that that they weren't able to do as much in the first season when it was untested and they sort of had to prove themselves so that would be really even if it's just wacky capers that would be really exciting time capers I definitely agree. is a standard of marvel I definitely agree uh, that, you know, having a second season in this case where the first one was really doing a lot of work to set up MCU stuff, a second season might really be able to let us have a little bit of fun. I think um, one concern I have is like my definition of fun is maybe different than some of the people involved with this show. I love the relationship between Loki and Sylvie and I love the idea that for a character like Loki the only person that he can love is another version of himself uh, and it is funny it's also uh, a little gay like it's a little gayer than we're ever gonna get from mainstream MCU stuff so like Perhaps, it's yeah. kind of important to me um, but I worry that they think it's weird that they think it seems incestuous to have Loki kissing a version of himself. And so we won't see as much of that. I hope I'm wrong, but like that to me was such a huge part of the show. I thought it was so beautiful while also being really funny. I think you can have stuff that are, that is both and it's sort of tough to come by. So, you know, when you find it, it's real gold. Um, I like Kevo, uh, Ravona Renslayer is, Real high up on my list. Fantastic comic book character pull. She has had some amazing 90s moments where her outfits are just too extreme to talk about here and now. Um, and I I like this character. I like the actor. Um, I am very excited to hear who Kate Dickey is going to be playing. Kate Dickey to me is kind of uh, the Scottish Amanda Plummer. Um she keeps getting put in roles where she has to be like the weird crone lady uh, that kind of scares the shit out of you. And I feel like she would have been a really great Vedic. Um, mm. 
so I will be interested to see who she's playing here. I suspect it will be somebody weird and creepy, and I think that will be very fun. Uh, I don't care about this Wilson brother. Uh, I, I hope I love he, the character. I think he kills. Oh, it. the character's fine. I don't care about the character either. I hope he dies because uh, it would be good stakes raising. Um, it would be it would it would mean something for that character to to kick it. And then more screen time for Sylvie, who just wears a cloak like nobody's business. I now recognize who Kate Dickey is, and I think I would genuinely love to see her as another female Loki. Yeah. Uh, like an I old really... lady Sylvie? Yes, yeah. or not even just Sylvie. And that's, that's, I think, the biggest thing that I need from this show and from Loki in general. Um, and it's the thing that I think bothers me the most about Loki and Sylvie as a pair. It's the only thing that bothers me is that it feels like there is this implication, not outright statement, but there is an implication that Sylvie is like the only female Loki. Right. Um, we are not told like, and it's, it's, it's just, it's very severely suggested and, um, that bothers me uh if we had other female loki's like sylvie i would it would go a long way toward making me feel more comfortable with them as a pairing with her as a character um this by the way is the actress she was um the the it, she was a, the mom's sister on game of thrones yeah I love so, you yeah. playing Hugo Weaving. Kind of. Kind of. She's like she's like a he female Hugo Weaving. And that's part of why I'm like, oh, uh, absolutely another female Loki. An older one. A more Richard E. Grant-ish one, for sure. Uh, I think that would be great. And I think it would do great for the show. And, yeah. I think the other thing that I want from this show that it needs to deliver on in season two, that's probably a little bit different than season one is season one was about crafting an iteration of Loki who was like, I see everything you're saying I'm supposed to be, and I am choosing to be my own thing. I might not know what that is, but I will simply not be defined by your rules of a Loki. Great. But now you can't do anything Loki we've ever seen. Now this yeah. is a unique character and there is no, I've seen this Loki before. And for that reason, I'm hoping for this season to provide me the opportunity to engage with the gods of the Marvel Universe like never before. If Loki is about iterative pantheon, if Loki is about how the systems of rule and chaos in every time, in every world, throughout the multiverse, throughout reality, if they are always rifts on each other because that is order, and thus he is on his way to, maybe we'll call it, beyond, he could very well be on the path to understanding the framework of the Marvel Universe, the above all the below all and if this walks us there or at least puts us on the path it's worth it 
if this tells me more shitty Loki stories, I don't mean shitty stories. I mean shitty Loki. If this tells me more yeah. shitty Loki stories, I think I'll be a little disappointed. But the truth is Tom Hiddleston's performance alongside the caliber of storytelling they've put into just about every Disney Plus series or at least attempted to even when I felt they have missed the mark leads me to believe that I am walking into a pleasant experience. Um, and uh, again, the Wilson brother in this uh, Mobius is looking super cute in those posters. I think everybody can see that I am literally cosplaying Loki. Uh, I will be probably doing Mobius with a gold tie. So um, I just... Last thing, last hope, and then I need everybody's all those things. I just really need them to have saved at least two surprises. Mm -hmm. Just something maybe in the first two and something in the last one where I'm like, oh, 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 that aren't just the course of the show that are like, we kept a casting. Yep, I'm right there with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, gosh, how far away is it again? October? October 6th. Gosh, that's so far. So we don't have any Marvel content again until this. That's a little sad. Wait, no, yeah. Secret, uh, Secret Invasion. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, then, and then Echo. No, Echo's after this. Echo is November. Echo is a full drop in uh, November. Oh, I thought mm -hmm. it was in August. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're uh, they're coming for us, man. Okay, well, speaking of Echo. Yeah, yeah, might as well. Because uh, did you have more or are you good? Oh, I'm good. I'm ready. We talked about... I had TK. You went. Of... Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I absolutely did not have more. Um, yeah. Just everything we've said. Yeah. Yep. Um, but so let's take it on over to... Uh... Our little Hell's Kitchen friends. There's a lot of there's a lot less to report currently. Well, but, but uh, there's not what nothing. There is. What there is, uh, we have that Marion Dare, along with main director Sydney Freeland, and some assistant directing or uh, additional direction by Ketriona McKenzie, uh, have come together to sort of create and showrun Echo alongside uh, being created by David Mack and Joe Casada from Daredevil. Um, this is actually settled in an era of Daredevil where I don't want to say David Mack owes anything to the run that came before it, but um, this particular run, the Echo run, is issues 9 to 15 or 16, and it's mostly by David Mack, some are by Joe Casada. Uh, unfortunately, the book published like seriously eight issues in three years due to David Mack hand painting everything. And so Echo is actually um, kind of treated as like a comic pariah for a while. Nobody got the story to understand her. And then David Mack worked on a follow up story, the five or six issue vision, uh, five issue vision quest uh, that would uh, run later on in Daredevil. And it ran uninterrupted when Bendis needed a break. So it, you know, there's a really good symmetry. And of course, David Mack has gone on to be one of the most prolific writers and artists in comic. And he specifically has no trouble hitting deadlines nowadays. So uh, definitely excited for that. But it did mean that Echo was 
little used and little respected until she turned up in the pages of New Avengers. Notice how much comes back to Brian Michael Bendis and Lionel Francis Hughes' New Avengers. Um, in that book, however, she actually was the, oh, it's just Patsy! In that originally Echo was going to be Daredevil, but then Joe Casada said in an interview, you can tell who it is by their weapons. And so everybody originally, knew it had to be Daredevil. Sorry, oh, originally Ronin, Ronin right. was, was going to be Daredevil. Ronin, the character that is Hawkeye in the movies, but is also Hawkeye at some point in the comics, don't get me wrong, was originally originally meant to be Daredevil. But and it was very, thinking, you know, Casada was right. It very clearly was Daredevil. So then they tried to make it Echo, but then that interfered with, I'm sorry, they tried to make it Elektra, but that interfered with all the plans for Secret Invasion. And when people guessed that right away, because they're like, oh, we changed it to a character who's connected to that person you all guessed. And I was like, oh, that is Elektra right away. So then they came up with Echo as like a third option. This is, you know, all rumor mill. I, I could be wrong. She could be the ninth option. She could be the second option. Who knows? Um, but that's the rumor mill. She slowly made her way into the Marvel, let's say, vernacular more than consciousness. Uh, she appeared in Moon Knight, where she was promptly killed to further a white man's story. And then she was inexplicably resurrected in the pages of Daredevil. Sure. Where she would then go on to join the Avengers as the Phoenix. Sure. And... um. I cannot tell you why they gave her a show. I have read literally every word of this character ever, literally. And because it's not that much. And uh, I do consider myself kind of an echo expert. If like I'm sitting at my stuff, I really do. And huge fan. Yeah, a really, really significant fan. I've had extensive conversations with David Mack about what this character means to me. I, I love her. Um, I don't know why this show now... I think she deserved maybe a little bit more setup than the way it happened. Uh, it was a little rushed. Didn't really make sense to me the way it was all done in Hawkeye. But I am very positive on the performance. I am very positive on knowing that it's going to lead into Daredevil Born Again. But that does lead me to the unfortunate rumor that Echo was deemed by Kevin Feige an unwatchable mess and had to be essentially refilmed. They discussed cutting it down. They discussed re uh, reshuffling it. But the decision was that they could refilm it, change some dialogue, add some scenes in a way that would not just improve the show, but improve its connection to Daredevil Born Again. Now, if that's true, it doesn't sound to me like Echo is a you know a damaged character that can't pull off a story. It sounds to me like the burden of being one of the only shows to cover a female superhero, a female superhero with a disability, a, an indigenous person, a person dealing with the trauma of being orphaned and parental damage and generational trauma uh, in the form of being sort of co-raised by Kingpin, who was involved in the death of her father. The realization that her entire world was built on a lie as an adult would be traumatic enough to send somebody who had a childhood trauma back to childhood. I really think the weight of having to be the show that does all of that probably just meant they needed a little bit more time in rewrites. That's all. 
Um, but I would really love to get your guys' takes on this whole Echo situation in general. God, Matt looks so good. Always. Um, my big focus with Echo is on the fact that uh, it is a character with a stark disability that has not been given um, in the show yet uh, a superpower that negates the disability. Um, a criticism that Daredevil has fallen under, that uh, Makari has fallen under, is that these characters, while disabled... For one thing, Makari has never said uh, on screen in the movie that she is deaf. She might just be mute, and she can sense any vibration, so she is actually not deaf, even if her, uh, you know, eardrums don't work. Uh, she can... She can hear vibration or she can sense vibrations in a way that negates that so makari ultimately might just be mute which is a disability but is a very different one and is one that is uh you know not featured the way that uh her superpowers are echo uh is an amputee and she is deaf and it does not appear as though anything is making it you know she does not have a cyber limb that is making it so that she has better, you know, a, a better situation than anybody else. And it keeps and, her from being one of the bad cops. Blamo. Um, and it appears as though uh, she is just deaf. Um, you know, she might be have honed senses such that she's fine, but she will she appears to just be deaf and that is something that is really missing from superhero stories from uh, you know all television so in that way i am ready to give this that chance and that chance alone and i have really high hopes for it um everything that we just talked about in terms of like what is going on with this show if it needed to be reshot how it's connecting to daredevil that to me is messy in ways that i do not love uh but bigger disasters have turned out great yeah. from this type of work uh i don't think it is a bad thing to get this show to use the show to gear up for born again um that could be what actually really saves it. Uh, I I do want Echo to be able to stand on her own, and I don't want Daredevil to be used as a prop for other stuff. But um, as far as the MCU goes, he has not been a part of it in the same way that other major characters have had. And between this and She-Hulk, it might be just the kind of runway that he needs for a smooth landing transition over to mainstream MCU. So, like, I can enumerate the ways in which this could go absolutely terribly and this is all bad news. But I can enumerate plenty of ways in which this is all good stuff and the fact that they even said, reshoot it, make it good, not, okay, this is a disaster, we're scrapping it. Uh, which other studios have done, uh, says to me, like, there's no reason not to have hope right now. Yeah, I I really agree. I would like to mostly focus on hope and like to believe that 
you know, rather than viewing it as either Echo not being allowed to stand on her own or as Daredevil needing the help, I would like to instead hope and view it as them just helping each other. That's all. And isn't that the point of this being an expanded universe? You know, I know a lot of people are really titchy about the ways in which the Book of Boba Fett was just a sneaky half season of Mandalorian. But it's all the same universe. And it's too bad not... it was great. <laughs> and it was great. And sure. frankly, uh, the Book of Boba Fett wasn't that different from Mandalorian and was an enjoyable ride. And anyone who didn't watch it who did enjoy Mandalorian, I feel missed out. And I think it's a similar thing here where I would, at the end of the day, believe that a Echo show um, made by the same people making a Daredevil show would be missing out by not watching both. If this is that, if this is the level of quality that Book of Boba Fett was and, you know, Daredevil is the Mandalorian and, you know... It is essentially one is a part of the other. You can't really get the full story without watching both. Uh, that would be, I would be fine with that. I would be so happy. I I understand why it's a little bit like make a thing that can stand on its own. And honestly, for the most part, Book of Boba Fett can stand on its own. It's yeah, just that there's so much value in its ties to Mandalorian. My, I actually really would not hate if this was uh, the same type of thing where like this stands on its own fine, but it provides so much value to its connection to Daredevil that it means that we have a series of Hell's Kitchen shows that are all really fantastic. Yeah. Street level. Yeah. And, the rumor about that is, and, you know, please, by all means, uh, please shut off the show. So when we were pre-taped uh, and I would be like, by all means, please, I'm going to give you guys a minute. All right. I used to do this silence truncation thing. So it would go, I'm going to give you guys a minute. Here's the spoiler. <laughs> and like, yeah, what, a, what a mess. So I'm vamping for a minute. And there's obviously giving anybody who wants to pause or jump forward 30 seconds, a little time to avoid a spoiler. But so the rumor of the inclusion, and you guys got a little bit more spoiler time, the rumor of the inclusion of Matt Murdock's character in Echo is such that he is searching for a lost friend, namely one Miss Jessica Jones. So knowing that Punisher is going to show up in Daredevil along with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, which uh, he's going to be in... Uh, Echo as well, as Kevo so beautifully has up on the board. Um, if anything, I'm just sort of bummed that maybe like She-Hulk doesn't show up for a more serious role. Maybe uh, Hawkeye doesn't show up or maybe Kate Bishop, right? But uh, maybe those are the surprises that I was saying that exactly. I have saved. Maybe they've got a few surprises. And if I've learned anything from uh, a lot of reality TV and from the digital age uh, with things like Magicians season four finale. There's ways to season three finale. No, no, no I'm just four. Okay. When you were like, I was like, Oh no, am I wrong? No. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's five seasons of Julia. I would know this. Um, uh, you know, the, the shocking end of season four of Magicians uh, that they managed to keep that a secret from the cast who saw it live 
they you found know, out like three days before it aired. Oh, yep. that's what it was. Yeah, you know that's shocking and amazing, and it wouldn't be easy. But I think you could do something like that. I would also love if maybe Echo found herself in the Thunderbolts or something. You know, I know she's not listed, but they're getting a new writer. Weirder stuff has happened. We never uh, thought I mean, she would have been the Phoenix either. So, uh, sure. You know, when I look at Matt in the yellow suit and with that red breastplate, I just think he looks tremendous. Um, I feel like it's sometimes hard to be a Daredevil fan. He is the butt of so many jokes. And for a, a good 30 years, he was like the the, the shitty and in the in the you know marvel universe and nowadays that's a little bit more like hawkeye and daredevil commands his own corner and uh, they're working really hard to get the term street level out of there because it's so unattractive as to what it means but the idea of um sort of the you know the less cosmic level you know is really what they're trying to say with that the frontline heroes you know he represents something that the Marvel universe is always kind of in need of, which is a person with a soul, a person with a spirit. Um, it's we tough. also, we got in the Chip Zdarsky run a way yeah. that you can make a superhero that can go toe to toe with your X-Men, with your Avengers, but who still is on the ground a little bit more and i think we are just scratching the surface of what the zadarsky run and really even the wade run what those runs have done for daredevil that's what makes me most excited about what's to come is that we've now had enough daredevil adaptations that audiences know they have their origin story. We have started with Daredevil and we can now start to get into some of these incredible creators who have you know, brought things like the Norn stones into it. And Daredevil is still fighting on the street. He's still fighting with his fists, even if there is a reality altering stone in the mix. And I think getting that stuff into the MCU is uh, a real opportunity that I think, once we once we get where we're going over the next year or two that's that's our next step and that's what i'm really excited for and what i love about daredevil now being back in the main mcu and about everything that you're suggesting is that now that it is back in the main mcu you know when it had been under the netflix banner you know there was magic and there was mysticism but it was always in this very like thinly veiled whispered we're not going to be too overt but Except like, when there's dragons. But even then, like, we don't, like, we see dragon bones, but it's it's all still very, look over there off screen. But, like, no, there, there's been cosmic cubes and infinity stones and so many things in the Marvel Universe that even on a show that can be more grounded and more serious and more about, um, you know, that you know, grounded uh, reality because it is part of this grander universe where instead of being like a guy with a hammer, like they put it on the Netflix show, they can be a lot more overt about, no, the existence of magic. And so you don't really need to feel the need to apologize the way it felt like Netflix did. 
for their more mystic things. And so they really can just dig right into any amount of that level with Daredevil. And I'm really, really, really excited for them for that. More than anything, I really loved having this opportunity to talk with you guys for a few minutes about not just what makes the Marvel Universe so good, but what makes us want to connect with the future of the Marvel Universe. Because we're not just talking about every project that's coming up here. Um, you know, we could have talked about other things on the slate. We could have talked about other major things that Marvel has announced. But what we wanted to talk about was the future of TV at Marvel. We're talking about a lot of really cool shows regularly right now. We covered the Muppets drop. We did about half of it. We've talked about two sort of three, four-ish, but like only hinted at three and four of Silo. Um, you know, but we, we started to talk about Silo. We're talking about uh, Drag Race. We're talking about Project Runway. But, you know, all of those things that shape our bigger, wider narrative of loves grew out of this thing that we started talking about in the first place, which is the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the comics themselves. I wouldn't have TK in my life, a man I love so much, without this show. He literally came to me through this show. And Kevo, not that, you know, our marriage isn't great, but... It was the pandemic. Dude, we might have slain each other to death if we didn't have something to focus on and put an effort to. And if not each other, anyone who came into contact with us. So Yeah. And having an opportunity to take a day and say the MCU is an inerexible part of the network of pop fiction in a way that we can no longer say, oh, well, it'll it'll blow over. Not nah, 15 years. That's that's a longer time than a flash in the pan. It's a significant number of the films that have grossed over a billion dollars. It is a significant number of the top 50. And frankly, it is keeping Hollywood employed. So, you know, amidst this writer strike, which is again, necessary required for these writers to be able to afford living wages. And we want to see those guys do it because we're also writers and we're trying to also make that living wage, man. So uh, yeah. don't forget while your favorite writers can't make programming, uh, don't give in and watch garbage that they're being, you know, frankly like ratted with you just go on other places. Don't just watch stuff, stuff like us, watch anything, watch game streams, Watch other content so the people that need to see that the writer's strike is working can see that it's working. Uh, and when the writers come back, you know, then then head on back. But, Watch the back catalog, man. You know yeah. you missed something. You and know that's what this was. Yep. Exactly. You're always, always complaining that there's too much stuff. Well, here you go. Yep. Take, take, enjoy the vacation. But, you know... Uh, this is also a little unusual. This is like a the pre-filmed weekend. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a little different. I'm really excited. This is such an amazing thing. Everybody worked really hard to accommodate my schedule, and it really means the world to me. Uh, yesterday's episode was a blast, and I can't wait to do more stuff like that, covering something a little unusual. Um, and I super look forward to returning next week for our normal batch of stuff. But until we do that thing, that thing we do, we do it so much. Uh, Kevo, I want to thank you for all of the amazing graphics you produced yeah, this thank episode. You, Kevo. It's amazing. Thank you, you turned this out in like 24 hours. 
Um, we have Fast X coming up, and we're not just doing that, the three of us. No, no. We're bringing in the two Joes, two of my favorite guys in the world. I have uh, such a podcast crush on these guys. I learned everything I know about podcasting from Joey. So it's going to be a real honor to have him on our show. Makes me feel pretty good. Uh, We're not playing the car game. No. Um, But we will play our new red, yellow, green light game. Um, Sure. We're going to talk Little Mermaid. We're going to talk uh, Transformers for Transformers, uh, contributor series hottie with a mustache. Arturo is going to come in and tell us all about how cars have oil blood or whatever. Um, TK and I, a homecoming of all sorts as little Mayday Parker swings into our lives and our yes, hearts the way we queen. need so badly. Uh, there so she excited. is. Tiny so little queen. Lots of rumors that uh, one of the Spider-Men from the far from home crew might have an animated appearance in this lots of rumors oh we love to that. see no it yeah no it, way home, it'll be toby oh, mcguire and there's there's a rumor uh of course what is his talk- name uma talk about oh miss mcguire I really out of here. No, that's Mr. Garfield. That would be Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield would be mad if we didn't let him be Miss Banshee. It's true. He would. He's the Drag Race one. We're going to talk about Strange New Worlds, which is my favorite Star Trek. Uh, So excited! It's the Pike is my hero. Just I want to be a captain that's as good a man as him. And uh, and then Secret Invasion. We're going to talk about it for real, for real. So excited. Um, you know, but just a little house cleaning, a couple of other little things. Uh, I am lucky enough to be included in a, a book that won a whole bunch of awards earlier this year. And with Pride Month approaching, you might want to think about the best ways to fag up your life. So, um, you know, gay it to the left if you're having a good time. Buy it to the right if you know that you feel fine. And then buy this, uh, Young Men in Love. It's uh, an incredible book that I can't believe I got to be part of. Check out KidRiotComics.com for a bit more of our work. Uh, keep an eye here for a little bit of cool shit going on with that. Pretty excited. Uh, yeah, and then you know what? I-, I got nothing else. Is there anything I'm missing, boys? No, I think you nailed it. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right, well then... Uh... Right, okay, you're right, Jersey. Hey. Hey, handsome. Where can everybody find you on the internet? <laughs> That's such a Brady Bunch moment. I love it. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at xnatexgrayx. And Kevo, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me uh, rocking it on the socials at Kevo Really. That's K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. And uh, Nico... Where can the folks at home find you? You guys can find me all over this amazing channel, being a part of the best team uh, on YouTube. That's, of course, these two guys. You can find me also at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Talking about things like the Disney Afternoon and the MCU. So you definitely want to check that out. And until next time, uh, remember, if it happens during the week, we're going to shout about it on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, So... Keep that channel liked. No, keep that channel subscribed. Keep those videos liked. I will find a catchphrase and we'll see ya. And um, of course, ants.